It's playoff time on episode 84 of the Garage League Podcast. It's been a while since we last recorded, but we are quite grateful for you all tuning in right now. Um, as just discussed, we are coming to you live uh, in the spring, which means our allergies are back, uh, to watch the play- uh, to watch the Penguins in the playoffs uh, and to watch the Penguins hopefully win back-to-back-to-back cups this year for, uh, I guess, the first time in NHL history, perhaps in the modern era. I actually have not gone back to seeing if back when there were only six teams it happened. But um, it's episode 84. We don't have a Penguins player with that number, so um, I think we talked about um, – uh, I think we talked about naming this after uh, Antonio Brown, uh, and to do so, or at least to help me remember if we did that, I'm going to introduce my co-host right now, which is, and or who is, excuse me, Andy Smith. Andy, how are you? I'm good. Yes, this is in fact the uh, the uh, Antonio Brown episode. Uh, so I, you know, I, I expect lots of uh, heroics and celebrations and uh, just tons of enthusiasm from both of us. You know, I think we make a good point, and then we have to do a, a dance or something. Um, right. Yeah, that's right. sort of the following the Antonio Brown uh, uh, ethos. Uh, you know, I, point of clarification: the I think it's the Islanders in the early '80s that won three straight cups. I think it was four, actually. Um, oh, so, yeah. Okay, which is I crazy. think that's I mean, right. Actually, which should t- come yeah, back to I mean, I guess it sort of tells you how that the conceive of the Islanders as a franchise capable of of that run of domination tells you kind of how long it's been and how hard this is to do. Um, it's crazy that Gretzky's Oilers never did it. I, I find that to be the most uh, interesting fact, um, kind of uh, as the Pens pursue this. Um, so yeah, and I also want to say that uh, that much like the Penguins, we are kind of following their 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 model, and that we've uh, we've sort of taken the regular season at a, a, a snail's pace and at our own yeah. <laughs> at our own volition, and are now going to get it cranked up for the playoffs, right? So that's sort of the uh, the model we're following. And, and and I will also point out too that uh, two two post seasons of uh, of Garage League podcasts, two Penguin Stanley Cups. So clearly, we are the X factor, and. Uh, and uh, because we are doing this and, and, you know, plan to sort of record throughout, uh, no doubt that there will be another uh, parade in Pittsburgh this June. Absolutely. I'm planning on it as well. Um, I've already reserved my spot in the parking garage where they're going to be driving by. So um, I will be there camped out. Uh, and you can join me if you want. So, I, you know, I bet uh, I bet if you like you could make a lot of money if you put a fake site where people could reserve their spot in the parking lot, you know, like <laughs> claiming that you were some, you know, like a dummy site saying you could reserve a spot for the parade now, like put a deposit in <laughs> and it's, you know, 75% refundable or something. Uh, you could, you could probably right. make a lot of money <laughs> on that. Yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> no, I think so too. I would always joke in college when people, uh, during football weekends, you know, people would, um, their parking was just at such a premium. Um, and I almost wanted to just like rent houses downtown where I wouldn't live, but then like come game day, I mean, you would, you, I mean, you could make more than like one month's rent, right? Just from extort, <laughs> just from sort of the extortion, uh, that you, that you run, uh, or the racket you run for charging for parking. So I, you know, I certainly, uh, uh, uh like pit football and enjoy following them and, um, uh, I, but that, that is not a problem that they, <laughs> that they have on the North side for pit football games. Yeah. You wouldn't say. No. Wouldn't yeah. Say. Yeah. Uh, but and so before we get started, too, we will flag very important, I guess, two things. One, we will review our preseason predictions, I think, probably at the after the playoffs finish or whatnot. But we like to do that episode. And Andy and I have not forgotten about that. And second, folks, get ready. Buckle up, baby, because next episode, number 85, Peter Klima or Klima. He was before my time, so I'm not even sure how to pronounce it. But the only Penguins player to ever wear 85, um, Peter, P-E-T-R, Klima. So, wow. Um, I didn't even yeah. remember that guy. That's crazy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I'm not surprised you don't remember him. There probably aren't many people listening to the show who know who he is. So, yeah. uh, but I mean, it hell, look, if he's still alive, we'll get him on. We'll talk to him. We'll talk to his agent. We'll try to get him on. Next Nine show. games in the 96, 97 season. Uh, but half as many goals as Tom Kuhnhockel scored this year. So that's, that's, <laughs> uh, perfect. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to episode 85, but, um, we've got, uh, we've got a great show planned. Um, we're going to, you know, as we follow the uh, usual pattern, we'll talk some league news. We'll talk the playoffs throughout the league, Stanley cup favorite, um, Mark Andre Fleury, one of the, um, one of the, um, most famous penguins players, especially on the show. And then we'll just kind of talk pens. Um, you know, two games into playing the flyers, we're recording this Sunday morning. So, you know, in about six hours, game three will be underway. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I, I, I will say I always feel the worst about like Sunday afternoon games. I just, I don't know. They always, uh, give me the heebie jeebies and, um, I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but it always seems like the penguins, um, don't do that well on those games. But anyways, we'll talk that. We'll talk, uh, the series, we'll talk predictions. And like I said, playoffs are here. So back to back to back garage league podcast is the entire reason for it. So we'll get started. Um, Andy, I guess I'll pitch it off to you. Um, kind of combine a couple of uh, questions here. So which, um, broadly speaking, which series outside of the Penguin series interests you the most? And then um, more generally speaking, have you kind of noticed any trends amongst the, the, the um, different playoff series so far? Um, so I think it's interesting, by the way, I think everything, every series, but the, but the Penguins, uh, which is one, one, obviously at this point, it's funny too recording this the morning of a playoff game, uh, because like it's possible 90% of what we say could be irrelevant by the time this posts. So that caught you to right? Um, every series is 2-0. I guess Washington Columbus is, is still 1-0, but, uh, it, so that's kind of surprising, I guess. Um, but, uh, uh, obviously that could change. Uh, you know, I, I think going in, I was interested, I thought Boston, Toronto, pitted the two best teams against each other and uh the the Bruins just outright domination so far has been interesting to uh to see uh they, I really I thought they were for a long time my my I thought they were the 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 best value bet to win the cup and then they they really kind of turned it on at the end and and I think would not so necessarily have been a value I think were a lot of people's uh, favorites but it looked like this was uh, going to be a, a closer matchup than it than it has been so far, and obviously the the Kadri suspension kind of changed things for the, the the Maple Leafs. But I think uh, the way Boston has just dominated them so far has been kind of the most interesting story of the the playoffs, or the most I guess that's not necessarily interesting, maybe the wrong word, but I think uh, sort of a a uh, if you're looking for something that uh, that may may indicate uh, a long term trend in the playoffs, I think Boston, the way Boston's played so far, is uh, is is kind of it for me. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's um, I think that's a good selection. I can't really quibble, quibble with that. The playoffs are so young, you know, that it's hard to kind of pick up on key trends. Um, I felt, you know, my recollection is, too, this isn't the only year where a lot of the series in the first round kind of start out 2-0. Um, you know, I, I think just be give, given, the na- given the nature of the seeding, I think it's frequently the case that a lot of series kind of are lopsided and, and don't really um, go all that long. Um I was going to say the the one series that I'm kind of most interested in, uh, not necessarily because there's anything special about the series, but uh, is the uh, the Vegas LA series, only because I think Vegas is pretty is a pretty neat story. Um, you know, as they're sort of this first year uh, as an expansion team, and, and they're up to nothing. So um, I, I just I just think that is such an incredible thing to watch. Incredible might be too strong, but um, I just like I'm curious to see how far they'll go. Uh, I mean, the West. I mean, Nashville is very good, and I think there are plenty of other good teams in the West that they'll have to get through. Um, but that's the series that interests me the most. Um, and, um, and, you know, we'll see if they get past LA. I mean, that would be a hell of a story if they can make it to the second round to the Washington conference final, or, I mean, of course, of course, Andy, right. I mean, 
it's going to be Penguins Vegas in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and and Flurry's going to like you know win it in Game Seven or something. You know that's coming. Oh, he's I, right. He's going to steal the like, series, right? He's going to have like I, a nine sixty save percentage for the for the and right. win the, the Con Smythe uh, on. I guess the game wouldn't be in Pittsburgh if it went seven, but maybe it'll go six and he'll accept the Con Smythe trophy or whatever in uh, in on at, at PPG Paints, right? That's that's how this concludes. Right. Uh, I think that's absolutely right, just given that the last few years have been sort of a giant troll job on, on this podcast. So um, but so that's the series that I find most interesting. Like I said, I think given the nature of the seating, there aren't too many other series. I mean, in the back of my mind, I, I'm, I'm paying attention to Columbus, Washington, just because, you know, Washington is just such a historically um, uh, again, I'm going to say dreadful. Dreadful is too strong, but they're Given given their baseline expectations, they're such a historically dreadful team in the playoffs. So, you know, Columbus is already up, and I, and I'm quite curious to see if Washington makes it out of the first round. I mean, if they don't, I, I figure we, we talked about this last year with um, Adam when he was on the show. But um, to kind of go off on a quick tangent, I, I mean, I feel like if certainly if they lose in the first round, but if they don't make it to the Eastern Conference Final, I mean, do you finally just fire Trotz and move on and try to get someone else in there? I, uh, yeah, I, I think I think Trotz is gone. I think I think given. Uh, the sort of selection of coaches that have, uh, I think with Daryl Sutter kind of sitting out there, um, oh God, God help us all if Sutter comes to the Metropolitan and having to watch that style. Um, X number eight, Ovechkin and Sutter, boy, (laughs) quick way to neuter that, uh, that offensive output. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Dave Tippett's available at, um, yeah, I I guess, you know, Aline Vigneault for whatever that's worth. I mean, there are some names out there that it feels like, uh, if they wanted to kind of pursue that uh, that direction, I I just think I think unless Trotz makes the conference finals, it's I think this is the last year of his contract. I think he's gone. Right, right. Yeah. Um, you, can I ask you? I, I had a conversation with a Caps fan um, who I met through work uh, last week before the playoffs started, and I and I said to him, you know, um, for like a decade, there was nothing that defined me as a hockey fan as much as I did not want the Capitals to have any level of success. I really. The Crosby Ovechkin rivalry really stuck in my craw, <laughs> um, to use mm-hmm. a really stupid cliche. Um, but you know, I felt like uh, I defined myself as a hockey fan with my my Penguins being better than the Capitals, and I want nothing but them to just embarrass themselves and the superiority of Pittsburgh. And I don't know, I I I really think that last year, kind of as the Penguins were unjustifiably upsetting them <laughs> in some ways, based on how the two teams were playing. There was a switch that flipped, and especially now with the Penguins having three cups and the Caps still having not made a conference final in this in this era, um, I'm I find myself somewhat I don't know rooting for them, or at least I, I certainly do not have the vitriol, or it would not be the existential crisis that would have been had if they made a deep run. And I I feel like um, I don't know I, I I there there'd be some satisfaction in knowing that if you get a generational player like Alexander Ovechkin on your on your roster, you do have uh, have have team success, and so I'm. I'm much less, uh, much less, um, I don't know, angsty about the possibility of them, and do kind of wish for them to have success. Have you, have you evolved in that way at all? Were you ever as down as I was on them, or, or have you rebounded at all like I have? No, I have evolved like that. I mean, I remember Game Three of the year in '09 when they won the Cup. You know, it was, it was overtime, and it was, um, I think it was a Crystal Tang shot that hit off of. I want to say Milan Georgina. Uh, I can't remember, but it hit off a defenseman into the net past Bobrovsky, and um, you know that that sort of changed the series around for them. I hear you typing, so please confirm, Andy. But I, I try, uh, I'm trying to think of the guy's name, and I'm and I'm uh, I, right. 
yeah, go ahead. Um, so, yeah. But I, I remember that, and I mean, that was just such an incredible moment. So, like you, I hated the Caps a lot. It's funny, when I was thinking the other day, this was really, I think, before Twitter, Twitter became mainstream. Um, but, you know, there was the Crosby Vetchkin rivalry, rivalry where, you know, Crosby was this sort of robot who didn't have any fun. You know, people in Philadelphia called him, you know, Cindy Crybaby, all this, you know, That's, horrible yeah, stuff. Yeah, and, and I think all of that, all of that coalesced or, and, um, influenced me and sort of just hating other teams with a passion as, as a way to sort of reflect my fandom for the Penguins. But, um, yeah, it's definitely a lot different this year. I mean, I think the Penguins have had so much success the last few years that it's hard to get too wrapped up one way or the other, whether the Capitals have some, uh, or, you know, or whether they don't, um, there are, there are also on like, <clears throat> You know, it's one thing to say, well, I hate the Caps so much and I don't want them to win, but it's not like there were a ton of East teams that I'm typically, you know, that I'm overwhelmingly fond of or that I want to see have success. So, um, you know, so in that sense, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm not going to, I won't be distraught and um, I won't need to be checked into a, to a hospital at all if the Caps win. So. so let me ask you this. If not the Penguins out of the East, considering that there is a level of dislike for pretty much anyone in the conference, do you have a team that you would be most okay with? <laughs> Most okay with. Uh, I, I, love, I love the. I love the. I love the phrasing. Yeah. You know, man, it, it's tough. I mean, um, you, you know, on the one hand, I'm a little torn because, you know, I think the Tampa Bay front office is great, and I think a cup win to them would would further validate and reinforce what the Penguins have proved. You know, which is that you know this is really a different era in hockey where a lot of these sort of nuanced, uh, where nuanced thinking, statistical reviews, et cetera, matter. So in that sense, I think a Tampa win furthers some things that I care passionately about. Um, but I, I mean, if we're talking, I don't know. I, I mean, you know, other than thinking, I, I mean. New Jersey is a weird pick, but other than thinking that at times people offer sort of unfair and um, shaded criticism of the, the past regime, I mean, it wouldn't be, I mean, I, cer- I certainly wouldn't mind seeing Ray Shiro get another cup win. Um, I mean, Columbus, they seem like such an underdog, I guess, but 2014 really turned me against that team. So um, there's a lot of equivocating here. So I don't know that I can give you a good answer. I, yeah, I think I'd feel the least conflicted about Tampa Bay, kind of given um, what you said about the way that they're constructed and their own history with the Penguins. There's not really... You know, two playoff series that were both pretty well played. Uh, there's not exactly a huge rivalry there, all that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can see. See, I think there there are arguments in favor or, or things I would appreciate about a couple of the, the the teams you listed there. I think you know Toronto would be kind of a neat story, but it would get really in, much like the like the Boston Red Sox in 2004. Like it'd be kind of fun in the moment, and then just be <laughs> be like, I, I regret this that this fan base ever won anything <laughs> pretty quickly. Right, so. right. So, I, I yeah, think that's yeah. true. The the nauseating fan reaction would be a lot. I'm also not Babcock's biggest cheerleader, so I mean, I could go without. Um, I could go without. Um, you know, we're getting coming. into a couple fun off story, off season story. I think, I think uh, talking about the job Cheryl's done in New Jersey, we should probably get like Ryan Stimson back to discuss. It's pretty. I think it's pretty impressive, uh, and the degree of difficulty is was significant when he took over. That's probably worth talking about later. And I said, I think Babcock in in Toronto is a fascinating dynamic. That you know, uh, whoever takes over the GM chair, assuming lamarillo has gone, has has sort of this Babcock factor to deal with. So uh, anyway, right. um, and by the way, the uh, sort- yeah, Sean Morrison, I think, was the defenseman. Okay, that it went off. The, <laughs> yeah. the puck went off. The puck went off of it. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you for that. You know, yeah, no problem. Yeah. I, it was going to drive me crazy if I didn't look it up. So thank you for. Right, right, right. So me. you had to. Let me, um, I will um, offer my cup prediction and then I want to get yours. Sure. Um, uh, so in the Stanley Cup finals, I think I'd be stupid not to, but I have the Penguins winning. 
Uh, not even because uh, I am a Penguins fan, but just because, especially after the last few years, I'd feel like a really stupid person. I mean, of course, you're like the odds are getting worse and worse for them as they go on um, because repeating just becomes infinitely more difficult. But um, look, I, I mean, you know, <laughs> this team has been quite magical in the playoffs the last two years. I have no reason to think that it's going to stop. They they were they were a really good team this year. I, I saw a tweet that um, friend of the show um, 404 response code posted, you know, where he just put up numbers for the first 41 and last 41 games. You know, their possession numbers were really good over the last 41 games. Their shooting percentage ticked up a lot, and I think that was a big reason they kind of dug themselves out of that hole they were in earlier in the year. So I I have no reason to think that they would be overmatched by Boston or by Tampa or by anyone else. Um, And again, given the players on this team and given their performance the last two years, I think I've got the Penguins winning not just out of fandom but out of uh, the most rational pick, I think. Uh, totally justifiable. It's funny. I think they this team this year, the way they're playing, and obviously with the presence of Chris Letang, at least as of we know at nine forty two this morning, um, you know, makes them a more viable contender than last year in a lot of ways. Um, so I think it's totally defensible. I, I actually ha- I, th- I I have Tampa Bay. Um, although I I think the basically the winner of the Tampa Bay Boston series uh, is is my pick to win the cup. I think that's sort of the de facto. Conference final, much like I find Winnipeg, Nashville on the other side. I think San Jose's got a got a shot to uh, sneak in there too. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I, I basically I, I going in, I picked Tampa. I think perhaps if I had to redo it now, given the way the the first two games of each series have have shaken out, I'd, I'd lean more towards Boston. But I, I have uh, the basically the winner of the Tampa Bay Boston series. Um, when I certainly think the Penguins are capable of of winning the Cup, you know, for the reasons you laid out there. Um, I, I think Tampa Bay might be a better matchup for them than Boston. Um, I'll, you know, I'd leave that to more people with tactical knowledge than, than me based on my own kind of just basic eye test and assumptions. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, I think, uh, I think, uh, any of those teams certainly are above the threshold, uh, and, uh, are, are reasonable picks. Right. Right. Um, I will say too before um, before moving on. Let me just I talked about being interested in the Vegas series because of because of the young expansion team factor. But um, um, are you following Flurry? Do you have any thoughts? You know, one way or another, strong opinions on what you want the Vegas Knights to do with him or, or what you want to see him do in Vegas. I'm a petty ass and I'm sick of him, uh, and so I <laughs> would be happy if he just flamed <laughs> out. Quite honestly, like I. I, I I mean, he seems like, again, like, we don't need to relitigate this. Um, <laughs> like, uh, clearly there is some middle ground he exists in between the deity has been built up to in Pittsburgh and how we, you know, the, the, the insistence by everyone that we love him and should all be rooting for him and what he actually is as a person and a player. But, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm really sick of him. I'm really like kind of vindictive that he's playing well in these playoffs for another team when basically his goaltending was the reason that the 2010 through 2014 Penguins are, you know, if not the reason, a major reason why many of those teams lost before they were supposed to or should have in the playoffs. Um, and uh, it's, uh, yeah, I just, I would, I would, you know, a quiet first round exit would not be <laughs> the worst thing, especially, especially if he plays well and Murray is a reason why the Penguins, you know, lose earlier in the playoffs than expected. Uh, I just don't want to be, I'm not here for that. So uh, that's my take on the Flurry <laughs> in Vegas uh, in the playoffs uh, storyline. Right. Yeah, my take is I want him to win the cup just because I think the Josh Yowie tweets will be delicious and awesome. So, um, 
that's really all. I mean, Twitter will be a firestorm if he does win. So in that does he sense, bring the cup to Pittsburgh? Team. He probably does, right? And like, uh, we'll get a, a three thousand word Jason Mackey profile about you know how everyone's <laughs> touched and like you know with not a critical word and and, and all that and muttered about him. So anyway, I'm surprised it's only three thousand words, baby. I know. I mean, well, I, yeah, I the original we... draft was six thousand, but they only had space for half of it. So. <laughs> I mean, I thought we'd just do a separate edition of the Tribune Review, you know, that's just just all flurry, the flurry edition for like a full week. So um, uh, don't put it. But don't anyways, give, don't give them any ideas, Lyle. Yeah, <laughs> right. I know. I know. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's enough talk about um, folks other than the Penguins. Uh, we can dive into the series right now and offer some thoughts about that. I will lead us off and then I want your reaction, Andy. Um, you know. My overall impression has been, um, it, to be frank, I, I think both games swung harder in each direction than I expected this series to do, um, than I expected the series to swing. Um, you know, I mean, seven nothing is just. I mean, the Penguins have played well. You know, I'm I'm using natural stat tricks, so these numbers are not score adjusted. But if you're looking at five on five over the last two games, Penguins get about 53 percent, you know, of the puck possession. So, um, so I think those are good numbers. I mean, those aren't like seven to nothing good numbers. Uh, and vice versa, you know, they shouldn't be losing five to one either. I think that there's a lot of variance at play, which is expected because these are two games. So um, I expected the Penguins to be the better team. And I think they have been so far. Um, but I think the box scores for both games have swung way harder uh, in favor of each other team than I think the rest of the series will. And I, I think, you know, that's uh, interesting is such a bland word, um, but that's unfortunately all that's coming to mind right now. So um, so I, I don't have anything groundbreaking to offer. I think today's game is, is going to be pretty important to kind of see what happens. Uh, maybe maybe, you know, today's game will be two, one or three, two, and that'll be sort of be a hallmark of the, the sign of what the rest of the series holds. But I, I would not bank on more seven nothing or five one or even four one games. I think the series is a little bit closer than that. Um, but um, but yeah, overall, I mean, Penguins look fine. Um, you know, not remotely worried at this point. I know there was a lot of hand wringing on Twitter about zone entries and things like that after the after the second game. But um, you know, I, I mean, I keep thinking of um, when um, uh, when they played Tampa in the Eastern Conference Final. I think it was the first game. They didn't really look all that great, and you know, they turned it around. Um, you know, this team turns it around. They adjust quite well under Sullivan. So, um, anyways, I've gone on for a while, but um, what's your take on all that? Anything that stood out to you, or anything that's been uh, that's been unexpected? Uh, no, I mean, I think uh, if you've watched the Penguins all year, the way that these two games played out is not really a surprise. They are certainly capable of blowing out a good team seven nothing, and and in turn, kind of uh, uh, getting blown out themselves the next night. It, it it is weird that they. I mean, this is sort of the nature of the playoffs too. But they really did play better in game two, I think overall. Now, granted, they had a big lead in game one, so you can kind of toss some of the. the there's a lot of score effects happening. I think that uh, that um, impacted the the state of play. Um, but uh, yeah, I you know I actually think that you could see. A series that's tight in games, but where each individual game is kind of like this, uh, that's totally in the realm of possibility, given the state of goaltending for both teams. Uh, you know, Brian Elliott, again, not a scout, not a really a huge eye test guy or who's able to assess goaltending, but uh, for all the saves he made, did not exactly look like someone who was um, in complete control <laughs> in game two. And yet, you know, Penguins only scored one goal. I had a couple good looks on the power play, um, all that. So, you know, who who knows? Uh I do think it's uh, it's given the the Penguins' uh, struggles on the road this year. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how they respond going into two for Philadelphia, uh, going into Philadelphia for two here. Um, so that's kind of uh, something that I'm paying attention to. 
But, uh, but uh, you know, uh, I think that Tampa series that you referenced is kind of an interesting point, too, and that a lot of, I think that a lot of those games were kind of blowouts. Well, I guess that you went to overtime. I don't know. So who knows? But uh, <laughs> there, there is a chance. I don't think we've seen the last blowout of this series, I guess is what I would say. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I hope for, for interest's sake, some of them are closer. Although, actually, I, I hope the Penguins just blow them out in three straight and move on, honestly. But um, the uh, the comp I thought of was uh, the 2016 first-round series against the Rangers, where uh, they uh, won game one pretty handily and then lost in game two in a similar fashion. Uh, I think Jeff Zakoff and Nett kind of had something to do with that, as Murray and Nett did in game two here. Uh, and then went on the road and, and really dominated and won two games big in Madison Square Garden and kind of declared themselves as as cup contenders or capable of a deep run. So I think these two games are huge. I think we'll kind of know a lot about their potential based on how they play in Philly in these uh, in games th- uh, three and four here. Right. No, I think that's a smart take. So, um, yeah, I think I think. Um Game three is important, but game four is even more important because if the Penguins lose game three, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they've ever been down three to one under Sullivan. Um, no, definitely. I, I mean, they've won every right. series, and I don't think there's a three one comeback right. in there. So, right, right, yeah. right. So, I mean, um, so, so I, I think game four is really the one that I'm paying attention to. Not that I want them to lose today, but even if they lose today, they've been down two to one in series, um, you know, under Sullivan, and they've always found a way to come back. So, um, to, talk, to kind of get a little bit more granular, talk about some players here. Um, you know, uh, you flag some, you flag this issue, but I'm just on again Nat Statrick looking at the um, five on five numbers. Um, Derek Broussard not doing very well at all. Um, 15 Corsi four, 25 Corsi against. That's under 40 percent. Um, so not really doing, uh, not possessing the puck all that well. And when he's been paired up with Phil Kessel, they've had a little bit of struggles as well. Uh, Kessel's numbers are under 50% um, for Corsi 4 percentage. So when, when the Flyers are, are playing against those players, they are getting the better of the play, and we don't want to see that going on, um, obviously, for too long. So I am, I'm kind of curious, um, what do you do as far as, I mean, do you switch lines for one? That's the first questions, right? Um, and, um, and um, you know, if you do, what do you do to move players around? Yeah, I, I'm not the best at necessarily uh, right. developing lines and everything. It's not necess- not something I'm I'm <laughs> particularly uh, good at. But can I, can I, I do- just can I just say neither is Dan Bilesma. Boom. Oh, zing. There we go. Zing, Get zing, it zing. in. Um, I do uh, wonder if Broussard is, is still hurt or something. Uh, you know, I know he he sort of came back right as the playoffs started from injury, and I always worry sometimes or wonder sometimes if. You know the the playoffs are the impetus and how completely healthy someone is. But I will I will say that the the Kessel Brassard combination, even in the small sample, fifteen games or so, uh, I think was was below. Both players were were better away from each other than they were together. I mean, again, you know there could be a lot of factors playing into that. But for a duo that was sort of supposed to uh, um, reignite the uh, memories of HBK and become this dominant third line, uh, does not appear to be happening. And uh, uh, you know I. I I think I'd still I'd still kind of ride with it for a little bit, uh, assuming that you're getting production from, you know, Malkin and Crosby and don't need Kessel specifically kind of bumped up to play with Malkin, um, which is probably the first move I would make and then sort it out from there if the, a change were necessary. But again, you know, I, we talked a lot uh, this this year about the importance of that third line center and how a a third line that can um, score or 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 control play to the degree that it did with Jordan Stahl really has been the X factor in taking the Penguins from very good to, uh, you know, elite and, uh, you know, top of the line Stanley Cup contender. And so I think trying in any in any way to, to give that combination time to breathe and, and figure it out together uh, is is important. And so I think for long term considerations, I would I would 
ride it for a little bit longer, but you know, I think uh, with an eye to um, specifically bumping Kessel up should uh, should you know it warrant it on the second line. Right. Um, you know, um, I, I agree. My my primary concern is getting Brizard uh, Brizard firing on all cylinders. I think for the reasons that you just illustrated or just explained, you know, which is that the third line center is very important. And I, I don't think that the Penguins are going to go as deep in the playoffs as they can if Broussard's kind of currently ticking at – it stays at his current rate, which is, you know, sub, he's not going to stay at sub-40% um, possession for the rest of the playoffs. But I think it is of paramount importance to get him up there. Um, you know, it's hard to argue with it with or without you stats, although one of the things that's always made this difficult is – when wingers, you know, when good wingers leave the third line of the Penguins, they're typically playing with like generational talents. So, right. um, you know, that's that's always going to sort of skew the numbers uh, to um, and make it difficult to figure out what's really going on. But, you know, Kessel's a great player. And, and if you want to get Brazard firing, I think you need to put him with a great player. So um, I am not yet at the point where I think I'd be comfortable with sort of breaking them up and letting, um, you know, trying something different. However, if we get to game four or game five in Philly and um, Broussard is still struggling mightily, you know, perhaps you do need to think about putting someone else in that line to try and get him um, working a little bit better. Um, that being said, um, you know, I don't know that necessarily switching up his line mates is going to be the key to fixing things. I think you pointed out the injury, which is which is a smart take. Uh, and there might be other things. So, I mean, you know, in a sense, it, 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 you know, it's a problem to be fixed, but I'd rather you not sort of um you know sink sink the ship just to patch a small hole right you know so i mean if it's if it's a matter of breaking up other lines that are working really well i don't want to do that just because broussard is sort of underperforming right now so but um but yeah so again more equivocation for me because uh, i am a lawyer and that's what we do yeah so, that's right. i would expect nothing um, less so right right that's, uh, <laughs> right important but yeah so yeah so I, that is the Go ahead, go ahead. Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, are you uh, concerned at all about I, – I, is there an adjustment thing with Broussard? You know, you go from Guy Boucher's Ottawa system to the Penguins. I think that probably played in a little bit early on. Right. I, I would say that for, for – despite being perfectly serviceable, Broussard has not had the kind of impact he might have hoped for given the acquisition and sort of his, his right. talent so far. And do you, do you think it's just a small sample size thing or you think it's injury? Do you think it's, you know, adjusting from the, the Guy Boucher skate backwards uh, system to the Penguins? I mean, do you, is it possible that the switch will just kind of flip on and he'll be awesome all of a sudden? Or are you kind of worried that this is what he might be, which is, again, kind of fine and a perfectly serviceable third line center, but not the sort of jolt that you'd hoped uh, he might be? Yeah, it's hard for me to pick out what exactly might be wrong. I mean, if it's really an injury, I don't have enough information to kind of credibly state that this is what's holding him back or not. Um, but, um, you know, I, I kind of want to dismiss all this <clears throat> as a small sample and not read too much into it. And I say that because I, you know, it, just my memory of other players joining this team <clears throat> is that plenty of people have joined the team and done well under Sullivan without sort of, you know, 20, 30, 40 games for a warm up or a lead up period. I mean, I haven't, I mean, no one has tweeted or, or talked about any sort of locker room mumblings about the system being, you know, impossible to learn or things like that as well. So um, I, I don't know that I would put this at, at either the coach's feet or at the system's feet. Um, uh, you know, maybe Broussard is injured. I don't know that he is. But other players, I think, have been traded for and have kind of come in and, and, and kind of started and ticked things off relatively quickly um, without too much need i think for lead up time so i'm not i'm not entirely sure that i guess i would say he's still learning you know perhaps the injury might be the best explanation right you know which which i can't we can't really confidently say 
Um, but um, I, I'm not ready to throw in the towel yet. I mean, considering the production that we've tolerated from Hagelin for so long, I mean, I think I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Broussard much more time. I think to get going before we make before I make sort of a a, a final prediction on what his value to the Penguins will be. Yeah, I, I think that's that's right. I mean, it's it's a ridiculously small number of games in the in the grand scheme of things. Right. I mean, I, I think if there's any system that would be to blame, it would probably be Guy Boucher's uh, in, in right. that, what it's conditioned Broussard to do and a player of his talent to do, uh, not right. necessarily Sullivan's. Um, but and the other thing too, you know, this is not exactly a one to one comparison because they're very different players. We're talking about a, a future Hall of Famer, but you know, I, I remember that that Marian Hosa really. Um, had a you know he put up a, he had a ridiculous playoff run in in 2008 when they went to the cup final but you know uh I, he he had a, a knee injury early on in his penguins career and and he didn't uh, get to play with crosby very much and i think even in the first round um was i i don't know the advanced stats and it could be that they were just you know putting up ridiculous uh sh- shot generation and, and whatnot but um i know that it really took probably into the second round before he kind of found his uh, found his niche and got hot and and you know boy did they really ride him to the to all you know to two games of the, the within two games of the title so it, it, it the switch can flip at, at random times I think for players in new situations and so I yeah I I, I think it's probably really uh, naive to uh, to assume that this is kind of be going to be what Brassard is going forward um, but yeah I, I also agree with you that uh, the the if if they hope to make a deep run, as I know they do, I think he's really kind of a guy they got to get going. So it'll be interesting to, to kind of watch and and see what uh, what what transpires there uh, in these next couple of games. Right. You mentioned flipping the switch. We're going to talk about someone who's not flipped the switch, or actually he <laughs> has flipped the switch just in the wrong direction. Um, Connor Sheary's stats through two games are are, are not very good, and and that is an understatement. Um, you know, if I'm on that stat trick right now, and I'm just sorted by Corsi four percentage. Um, for the 17-18 playoffs. And, you know, amongst all Penguins players, Connor Sheary is dead last in terms of on-ice puck possession at 35%. Um, you know, that is not um, the kind of play that we've come to expect from him. And, um, you know, there's there's questions about what did they do with him? Do they sit him? You know, I mean, just just a whole bunch of questions, I think, as far as uh, what people want to see, uh, want to see from him. So, um I think he's another player. I mean, a little bit less so because I think centers naturally carry more weight and are more important. But I think he's another player that the Penguins really need to get firing on all cylinders for them to make a deep run in the playoffs because, you know, they have Castle, they have Hornquist. But I, I think that, you know, people like Connor Sheary uh, are very important to this forward group uh, and, and to ensuring that the forward group does very well because I think that depth is going to be important later on. So, um, so I mean, as far as what to do, I, I mean, I personally wouldn't bench him. Um, you know, I, I think that for a player of his caliber, he's done very well in the past, and I think he's he's got a track record of, of, of talented play. I, I think um, probably letting him play through it is one of the more important things that we can do right here. And um, I, I think that that also drives with the progressive thinking that the Penguins embrace most of the time, right? Which is that, you know, rather than just sort of reflexively punishing a young guy for making a mistake or something, I think letting him kind of find his hands again, play through stuff, uh, I I think is very important. And, and um, I think if you bench him, you, you know, you limit his play, you get him further in his own head. Um, so he's a play. I mean, I'm not saying put him, you know, on the first line and give him 20 minutes a game, but I think trying to get him 10 to 12 minutes a game, showing him that you have confidence in him, letting him know that you believe in him um, is very important because I, Again, I mean, it's hard for me to say that the Penguins don't win the cup if Connor Sheary doesn't turn it up. Easier for me to say that with regard to Derek Broussard. But he's a player that I want to see succeed, and I think the Penguins need him to succeed. So uh, That's very well said. You know, it's strange. Remember last year in the playoffs that he really struggled to, to, to a bizarre—I mean, there'd be no, there may be no player who's—when who's, uh, he's sort of valleys happen, it's more apparent than Connor Sherry, uh, right. or Sh- Sherry, I guess. Um, 
like he was having trouble catching the puck last year and it apparently wasn't injury related. Um, although, you know, never, I guess you never know, but it, it, you, when he struggles, I mean, he really struggles and you can see his, you can almost see his confidence disappear with like his shot and everything. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, I, 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 it's like the kind of thing where you, you'd like to see the coaching staff be able to kind of ride him out and, and have him work through those issues. But, you know, come the playoffs, he's, if you, if he's hurting the team so much, uh, it's, it's not, it's not possible. So then it just becomes this, the cyclical thing, I suspect. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think they did scratch him last year a couple of times, if I'm not mistaken in the playoffs. Does that, does that sound right to you? Um, yeah, it does. I, yeah. I mean, I, I think I recall that happening as well. Um, I mean, I think we're kind of trending in that direction as far as like people starting to think, you know, maybe we just bench him or something like that. Um, I, I don't mean to cut you off too, but I was also going to say, I, I've thought about this as well. You know, it's hard for guys who don't get regular power play time to kind of avoid some of the the big peaks and troughs uh, or, or valleys of uh, of uh, shooting uh, shooting percentage and randomness because I mean if, you know if you're a guy that can get two three four power play minutes a game you know it's much easier to score on the power play as as is obvious to all and I think you know getting those goals getting those assists kind of getting on the ice when you get to spend two minutes almost exclusively in the offensive zone is such a great confidence boost it makes you you know it really I think helps you out. Um, and I've always thought, you know, the guys like Connor Sheary and frankly, guys just in general who aren't getting power play time, you know, it, it's always a little bit more difficult to kind of come out of these uh, to come out of these um, valleys that you're stuck in, uh, principally because, you know, the time that you are getting uh, is time, uh, you know, at five on five when there's no the offensive advantages and clear. Uh, and if you're only getting, you know, I mean, if you're just looking at his games, you know, he, he was getting, you know, between 10 and 13 minutes a night really for the last you know, 10 or so games of the season, it's hard to kind of feel confident when, you know, every two days you're going to get on the ice for 40 seconds at a time, 10 minutes a night, and to get your confidence back, especially when you're not on the power play. So, again, I, I think I, I'm not at the point of benching him yet, but, you know, we'll see what happens. That's a really astute point. You know, I, I don't, I, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole because Lord knows this is like Mont-Andre Fleury. It's a common point of conversation on this. But I would, I would to your point, I would say, uh, you know, uh, Sherry had – or Sherry had uh, – uh, more even strength goals this year than Patrick Hornquist. You know, Patrick Hornquist, who scored 29 goals on the season, had uh, only 13, or sorry, had only um, four, only 14 of them were it were it were it uh, even strength, where his Sherry had uh, um, 16. So uh, you know, I mean that that is certainly makes a difference, and I think you're absolutely right in the way that it can play into confidence. And I would say I wonder if it's exacerbated too on the Penguins where. Uh, there's a power play and then there's playing in the top six with the center like Crosby or Malkin and you, you know, your ability to, to score or, or, or uh, generate scoring chances and opportunities. Probably there's a significant difference between when you're playing with them versus when you're playing, you know, in the bottom six, there's a, there's a, an, another sort of tier there too. So I could see how that kind of confidence could, could be related to that too. And kind of where you're in the lineup also. Uh, and he certainly bounced around a lot of this year. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think uh, if you're looking at uh, usage uh, versus confidence, um, I, I, I suspect they're probably related there. So um, yeah, I, I, anyway, um, I'm, I'm not at the point where I would bench him either. I'm not even, I'm not sure that anybody you could put in right now or they would put in right now would, would give you anything more than the potential that Connor Sherry does. Um, you know, and so I, I think you kind of, kind of ride it out, even if it's on a fourth line role and, and maybe, you know, maybe you recognize that, uh, that, you know, there, there's a, even if he's not playing well and, and there are points in a game where you can try to give him some soft starts with good, good teammates or something. And, and maybe, uh, maybe he gets a, gets a, an easy point or two and gets rolling and, and you hope that, uh, that transpires. Right. Right. Um, on the topic, I guess, of smaller bottom six forwards, 
you know, we can we can chat Daniel Sprong. Um, you know, we talked about him previously on the show, and uh, I'm kind of curious on where you'd like to see him, or whether you think he could, you know, materially help the team right now in the playoffs. Um, I'll answer that question, and then I'll give you a shot to kind of jump on in. But, you know, I'm not entirely sure that I'd either want him up or that I think that his dressing is going to be important. And I say that principally because, um, you know, when you're talking about someone in that position, I think you're talking about Daniel Sprong getting eight to ten minutes a night. I mean, I don't think that they're going to dress him and put him up here for significant minutes. And I think in that um, in that scenario – you know, uh, is it is it better for his development to get sort of that low end time, you know, on the third or fourth lines up here? And is it easy, is it better for the team to have someone like that getting eight to ten minutes a night? Um, I mean, it probably is compared to someone who's less talented, but it's it's so marginal because his 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 on ice his on ice time is going to be so low that I'm not uh, I, I I don't have strong feelings at this point about Daniel Sprong being in. I will say that I know in the past. I've looked for him to kind of get regular ice time and regular playoff time on this team to try and get a gauge for whether they see him as a valuable asset going forward. So um, I have some interest in wanting him to play, you know, um, regardless of the circumstances. But I do think that given that he'd kind of get lower end ice time, I don't necessarily know that he's moving the needle all that much for me. Yeah. So did you uh, the the uh, of course you saw it, but the the third goal the Flyers scored on. Friday night was Travis Konechny, um, just dusting Chad Ruidl and scoring a nice, right. nice goal. Uh, so Konechny is six days older than Daniel Sprong, and <laughs> you know, I, I was a it was a bigger prospect, and I think he's probably got to consider to have a higher ceiling. But went you know twenty two picks ahead of him in that draft, but they're around the same age, right? And um, Konechny has now played almost one hundred and fifty NHL games. Um, and, uh, you know, did not have a great first year, it looks like stat wise, but, you know, scored 47 points this year and has kind of been groomed to be someone that they could lean on in these situations. And, uh, again, I don't want to make this a direct comparison because I think Konechny is probably considered a better player. Um, and that's not even getting into the, the sort of, uh, complete stuff that the Penguins coaching staff seems to be so worried about. But I guess my point is that, uh, I don't think you're going to insert Sprung into the playoffs right now and have him kind of necessarily uh have the impact that connect does but at the same time it's like you you wish that they'd i wish that they'd maybe made a, a, a bigger effort to to groom sprung or or uh or or play him this year so that he potentially could because because i think what you're describing is exactly the role that they put him in and and you know the, I, obviously i think he's got a better chance to do something than tom kuhnhockel but uh it, it would have had to the, the groundwork would have had to been laid a long time ago for him to really be kind of an impact player and i think make the, they make the most of of uh, of his talents um and because because really you know it does he would benefit from playing in a top six role i think or it's kind of how you how you'd like to, to see him used but you know right. um i just i like like you're not going to bring him up now and have him uh, the, the coaching staff's not going to use him it would have had to have been a long-term plan and so i think um right. while you could hope that he were there and, and making an impact uh, i think we're too far gone on that to uh, actually have it transpire in these playoffs Right. Right. No, I agree. So, so it'll be curious. I mean, I, I think, you know, if, if they get out of this series in five or six games relatively unscathed, you know, I don't think nothing, I don't think anything's going to change all that much. You know, I think people will just look at it as, as another playoff series that sort of went as expected and, and we'll just kind of move on from that. So, 
Um, you know, if they go down three to one, you know, then we'll see what happens. Um, or if they take this to like seven games and it's double OT or something, I don't know. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, so, so we were, we, you mentioned earlier, we were talking about Chris Letang and right now, as I speak, it's 10, 10, uh, in the morning on Sunday. So we don't have any firm information yet, but they won a cup with him uh, without him last year. Do you think they can win a cup without him again this year? Or do you think that he's a little bit more essential to how the team, to the team's long-term chances? Uh, I think despite the fact that he's not playing at the level he was maybe in 2016 when I, I would have had him probably above Crosby on my playoff MVP Con Smythe ballot, um, you know, as a PHWA member, right? Uh, right. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, they they take my take my, my opinion so seriously on these matters. Um, uh, I just think that last year was uh, – everything else had to go right without him uh, and that, uh, that there is no chance that this team wins the cup this year without Chris Lezak in the lineup. I uh, I want to make that prediction, but I would have said last year that there was a below zero percent chance they'd win the cup without Chris Letang. So uh, I am just not in that business anymore because again, I, I think Jim Rutherford listens to this show covertly and you know has way more influence over the world and world events than we imagine. And he just you know really I mean I think he he loves to troll you and I. So, it's so quite I, possible. I, I am, yeah. <laughs> I I am saying nothing on this front. Um, but anyway, so. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I, I mean, I'd rather have Chris Letang than not have Chris Letang, but do I think they can win the cup without him this year? I, I, I think so. Cause they did it last year and I don't know that this team is materially different or, or much more, much worse. I mean, one thing I was thinking of, which might matter is perhaps the competition in the East. Um, so maybe, maybe we live in a world where you think that Boston and Tampa are way more deadly this year than they've ever been. And that to beat them this time around, the Penguins absolutely need someone like Latang. Um, so I, I think that's entirely plausible. Cause I mean, last year, right. Um, you know, it's the Penguins, um, you know, kind of, they beat Washington and they're beating Ottawa, right. And then they're, it, perhaps it wasn't as hard a road to get to the cup as you think the road is for this year. So I think the one material difference might not necessarily, might not necessarily be how the Penguins are playing, but how competition is playing. I, I so, yeah, I would suspect too, you know, Nashville without Johansson was, was pretty, I, I think that if he were healthy, that's a very different series. And so I think that the, probably whoever they face out of the West would be. They, they really just they benefited in in a lot of ways from the draw last year. Getting Ottawa in the Eastern Conference Finals was really um, a huge win, and uh, you know Washington clearly last year was very good. But there, I swear, you know, I'm not a soft factors person, but there there was something going on there uh, towards the end of that series, specifically in Game Seven, um, the, with the way Washington sort of got in their own heads, I think. And uh, yeah, right. I, I don't know. I I, I just I, asking them to do it twice is uh, is is a monumental task. I, I would also say too. I mean, not that Ron Hainsey was some sort of boon to the to the play last year, but they they had a, a, a trade deadline to kind of prepare for life without Latang last year, uh, and were able to make some at least depth additions to the defense in a way that they wouldn't be able to adjust this year. So I think that could also play into uh, their their success if Latang is out long term. Right, right. No, I think that that's all very true. Um, I guess I'll say I'll give you a two for one to kind of to take us out. Um. Give me thoughts on Matt Murray and his play, and then give me your uh, give me your prediction for the series. So, uh, yeah, Matt Murray has not been very good uh, this season at all. Yeah, it, 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 the in between. So uh, he really, as everyone listening probably knows, you know, he, he his father passed away after what sounded like sort of a protracted um, battle with illness, and it uh, looked like um, after that happened, in the immediate aftermath, he he played some of the best hockey of the season and perhaps uh, had sort of turned a corner and then he got hurt and has not been very good since coming back from that. So it's really been up and down year, mostly down, as a matter of fact. Um, but, you know, um, 
and then you see him play well in game one and uh and you think maybe you know okay playoffs are here he'll he'll go back to to form and then you know it was i think uh probably the main culprit in game two or or i i guess we should note that the flyers live in a big house too and brian elliott played pretty well and 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 did did his part to uh uh keep the penguins at bay um but uh, i don't know i i goaltending is so strange and uh i i would not surprise me if murray kind of continues to struggle these playoffs and then comes back next year and is you know closer to what he's been throughout his professional career um obviously it's a concern i think anybody who's watched the penguins in this era knows how quickly goaltending can sink a, a deep deep playoff run um and i i, I think it's a it's uh it's it's probably the number one factor that that would be um, holding them back from from being a, a, a top echelon contender this year, um, so I, I guess I'm pretty concerned. I think uh, I, I think I'm probably past the point where I, I think Murray's going to turn it on, um, and uh, it's more about weathering his lows than it is him sort of uh, stepping up and becoming a, a, a someone they can ride, uh, you know, for four rounds. Right. Yeah, it's hard for me to say too because um, he still has a small NHL sample of 111 games. I mean, he's been very good in the AHL, but. Um, you know, he played 13 games in 15, 16, and then 49 games in 16, 17. And he did really, really well in those years. I mean, he had save percentages north of 920, um, which is very good. And then this year, you know, he had, a, he, he had a 907 overall save percentage, which is not very good. I will note, though, uh, in, 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 20, in 2009, 2010, Flurry had a worse save percentage than that. And this team <laughs> came within – and, and, and Flurry was worse than that, right? And this team came within one win of going to the ECF. And I think that – Excuse me. I think that, you know, this Penguins team is, you know, maybe arguably at least as good as that 0910 team, which came within one game of the ECF and Flurry being even worse. So um, I can't really fight too hard on the stuff you outlined with Murray. I think that, you know, legitimate criticisms for his play this year, and it's hard for me to say I'm not worried at all. Um, I do think, though, that his sample is so small that it's entirely possible this is just a giant blip that's not going to be relevant in 10 years. And I also think that given how well he's played as a young player, you know, in the playoffs the last few seasons. And I mean, again, you know, Murray Flurry Flurry was not in net for the Penguins last two wins. Right. I mean, it was really Matt Murray. I know Flurry had some some fill in. You know, he did some fill in duty um, during, against Washington last year. But, you know, I think Murray has been. Um, thrusted in tough situations as a young player and he has risen to the occasion every time um his save percentage this season was not good but it was still better than flurry's worst year so am i you know would i rather he be better sure is it are you absolutely right um that you know goaltending is is maybe the biggest x factor i think you are um but i'm not quite at the point where i think like holy shit you know this might be the downfall of the team right now um and um, I'll, I'll get there, I guess, if they go down 3-1 in the series on the back of some bad goaltending, right? I mean, if that's the – once they get there, then I'll be like, okay, you know, this isn't this isn't, this isn't looking great for them. You know, perhaps Murray's not going to rebound this year. Um, but, um, but uh, you know, I mean, and two games is just too small, I guess, uh, even though he's had 49 games this year of sub-average play. Um, but, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, this team and Matt Murray just – seem to you know i mean they have spun magic the last few years and and you know i am again i'm just not going to be in the business anymore of saying i can't do it again because i mean who the fuck knows i will say about murray and this again is probably something that is more of an off-season discussion and we've covered a little bit but i do his injury history is what concerns me and i do wonder if given given how much time he's missed and how injury prone he does seem to be if perhaps there's something lingering a physical malady that has that has kind of shortened his season you know something that's not enough to keep him out but maybe has not made him play 
kind of at the top of his game, specifically maybe coming right. back from injury this time. I mean, who knows? It's, it seems like he does does get hurt a lot, and that's something that they'll have to deal with. And for all of Flurry's faults, he was pretty durable, at least for the first 10 or so years of his career. So I, I feel like that's something to sort of note and pay attention to going forward with Murray. Right. Um, I say pens and six. You? That's what I had, too. Although I will say I could see a scenario where they fall down 3-1 and then just kind of storm back and win three in a row. It's sort of been that kind of season. But uh, pens and six was my pick going in, so I will stick with that, too. Well, that gives us cover, too, because once they lose today, we say you have to lose two to win six. So, boom, there you go. Yeah, that's genius. That is a genius point. So, yeah, let's <laughs> let's make sure to make that every time that they lose a game in a playoff series. So There's a reason they pay me the big bucks. That's so. right, yeah. Um, anyways. Well, look, um, the FBI is about to raid my law office, so I've got to go and meet them. Um, so, <laughs> go go call know. your go call all the clients that they might be interested in, uh, uh, you know, in 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 perusing your dealings with, you know, right? Because they don't have your phone right. to, to tap now or anything, right? So that's that's the well, smart thing to do. Did you know, by the way, that if you delete the text messages on your phone, no one can ever find them; they're gone for good. Really? So, I mean, j- just just like just like when you X out of the internet tab, browsing history wipes away. So, don't uh, worry especially about. if you use Google Incognito, right? That that means that you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it too because when you go to Incognito, it's got that warning right there. It's like, look, your browsing history might be deleted from your computer, but we know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, and your boss might like if your boss knows. Chances are the feds might know. So yeah. Right? Oh my yeah. god! So true. Yeah. Um, but anyways, well, we are um, a little bit less than uh, five hours from puck drop, so um, we'll get this up hopefully when hopefully everyone's listening to this Monday after the Penguins win game three. But uh, if you want to talk to us about this and you want to help us try to get Crosby on the show for episode 87, drop us a line. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Lyle Kosas. Uh, the show is uh, on Twitter as well. It is at Garage League Pod. We have an email. It's garageleaguepod at gmail.com. SoundCloud, Stitcher, you name it, wherever you can get your podcast, you can find us. Uh, and Andy, you've got some info to divulge as yes, well. Yes, uh, I am on Twitter at that Andy Smith. I think Lyle covered the rest of the housekeeping. Um, so look for us on there, and uh, we will hopefully uh, talk to you previewing a second round series. Uh, and the the you know we don't have to come up with uh, an extra six weeks of off season stuff this this year. So we've avoided that right. so far. So let's uh, let's keep that trend going. Right, I agree. All right, well look, I'll, I'll see you at PF Changs tonight. Otherwise, you'd be well. Lettuce wraps for all. Talk to you soon. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Earn your